間に合うために今一人列車に乗ったの黄昏れ迫る街並みや車の流れ横目で追い越してあの人はもう気づく頃よバスルームに不純の伝言浮気な恋を早く諦めない限り Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode six of And Then an Aeroplane.、Um, my name is Autumn June. This is a podcast about Ghibli movies. And my co host, as always, is M. We're here. It, it, it was supposed to take an extra long amount of time, and then it took even longer than that. But here we are. <laughs> Back from the dead. <laughs> you know? Um. Yeah,、uh, in case folks didn't see on Twitter or in the Discord,、um, I was very ill last week, so we ended up pushing it. We pushed it a week because we were changing the schedule, and then we pushed it an extra week, but we're back. Yeah. And we're watching Kiki's Delivery Service. I don't remember if I've said that already. You did it,、so. not. You have not, but we、okay. are watching that. That is true. Um,. Uh, Kiki's Delivery Service was first released in July 1989.、Uh, it was directed by Hayao Miyazaki, produced by Hayao Miyazaki, screenplay by Hayao Miyazaki,、um, music by Joe Hisaishi.、Um, do you want to take us into a quick summary of the movie? I wanted to ask.、Uh, I'm pretty sure the answer、yes. is no. This. This came out before you were born, right? You need to let me know which、yes. is the movie that came out after you were born. Okay. The first okay. one. Okay. This definitely came out. Because、um, you have to、I'm、make gonna... me feel as old as possible.、Um, it's um, just what happens. Let's see here. I'll get you an exact number here. I was 15 months old when Mononoke came out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I came out between the release of Whisper of the Heart. At- <laughs> I came out. <laughs>、uh, I was born between the release of Whisper of the Heart and Mononoke. I was not yet a, a year old when Castle in the Sky came out, so. Okay. You know, just a whole fucking decade there.、Um, <laughs> before we get. Also, before we get into the summary, yeah, Kiki's Delivery Service is funny to me specifically because it's the one thing. If you watch a lot of anime and you want to track it, there's like sites that are like Goodreads for anime or Letterboxd, whatever you're into, tracking your stuff. And one of the most popular ones is my anime list. We're not going to talk about the political leanings of my anime list right now, but the one thing I will point out is. That they list everything by their Japanese title first. And so when you search for Kiki's Delivery Service, you have to know that it's Majo no Takubin that you're looking for. And it makes me feel crazy. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, that's the, the gold standard for this should not be in Japanese when you're talking about it. Everyone knows what Kiki's Delivery Service is. Yeah, it's fucking Kiki. I'm, so, I'm shocked that it's not Kiki.、Um... The, the translation on Wikipedia says Witch's de- Delivery Service.、Yep. So I'm so shocked it's not Kiki, Witch's Delivery Service. No.、Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs>、uh, anyway, Kiki's Delivery Service is a movie about a young girl、uh, who has just turned 13. Her name is Kiki. And she's leaving home because her mom's a witch. And when witches reach this age, they go out on their own to work their magic in a town that doesn't have a witch and whatever. Just find a place where they can apply their trade and learn how to be a witch on their own.、Um, and so she's leaving with her cat. Gigi, 
Uh, she flies uh, to the city of Corico, which is a very nice port town. Um, and there uh, she finds that like people don't seem like they super want a witch. Uh, but she finds a, a woman who runs a bakery named Asana who brings her in. And is like, you can live up in my attic and, you know, maybe you could just help out around the business or whatever. And when she sees that she can fly, she's like, oh, you can be a delivery girl for me and do some extra jobs and maybe start a delivery service. Because no one seems to really want magic, but people need stuff delivered all the time. Uh, and so that is what she ends up doing. Um, in doing that, she, you know, starts a job working, kind of feeling insecure about this is what she's spending her witch time doing. Um which only makes her feel worse as business is hard, especially when you're 13. Um, she meets a boy named Tombo. He really likes flying because this is a Miyazaki film. Maybe you've heard of him. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she ends up getting sick and losing her confidence and loses her confidence so much she loses her magic. But thankfully, around the time that Tombo almost gets murdered by a runaway dirigible, she regains her magic and able to save him. And everyone lives happily ever after uh, the end. So, yeah, um, Kiki is like the classic um, coming of age story. Um, I first watched this movie um in my first semester at college and like um i almost didn't get it then because i was kiki in the first act of the movie and now that i am on the other side of that like i see a lot of good and a lot a lot a lot of bad in this movie um that i think we're about to really dive into uh in this episode <laughs> yeah uh, i'll say that this for a long time this was my favorite Miyazaki film um and I've seen it maybe the most outside of Spirited Away of all the movies we're going to talk about um but I haven't revisited in maybe like four or five years and I have to say lightning revisiting it in 2019 <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. a fraught time if you will but before we get too deep into that why don't we yes. talk about the cast here um yeah I didn't I didn't write down everybody we wrote down enough people um and, uh, like most of these early G uh, Ghibli movies, there's two dubs. Uh, there's one from 1990, which I've not heard a single bit of, so apologies. And then there's the Disney one from 1998. Um, I will say, on the whole, I think the Disney dub is really bad this time. <laughs> it's terrible. I watched all of it. Um, it's bad. People should not watch the Disney dub. <laughs> It's not like they didn't um, spend the money on the right act, or they didn't, they did not spend the money on actors. I think the actors or the movie, maybe it's when it came out. I just don't, it feels like they're really not confident that the movie is good and they're trying really hard yes. to like sell how charming everything is. And it doesn't need that. It needs a really light touch and it does not have a light touch. Yes. Um, I should also note, um, because I was, um, there's like a couple differences because I was, listening to the dub and also reading the subtitles, um, which is just a thing I often do, which were, you know, the translated Japanese, which this makes like a lot of changes, not a lot of changes, but it makes some changes that I don't love at all. Oh, really? I did um, not. What are they? I did not actually look this up. There's like, um, in, in the scene, um, toward the end where she's living, where she's staying in the, uh, cabin with the one girl, yes. um, like I wanted to write down what they were and I didn't quite have time, but like a lot of the thematic stuff in that scene is changed where like in the, in the subtitles, she's saying like, oh yeah, you have to, um, like work through like your hard times and like in the dub, she's talking about like, you need to, um, put in the work for the right reasons. And they're like changing things around. And like, I think making a lot of things like more acceptable to an American audience. Oh, um, I'm just reading on Wikipedia here. They changed the ending for the original Japanese or Disney dub and then changed it back in 2010. Yes. This is the thing I was going to say is that reading up on this, I think I was watching the, the 2010 changed dub because I guess in 1998 they produced what sounds like an even worse dub. Yeah. Um, and then have touched it up in the years since then. Yep. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's get into the cast. Okay. So, 
Uh, Kiki uh, is the witch. Also, we have the character of Ursula, who's the woman in the forest who draws. Both of them are voiced by Minami Takayama. Um, so I'm just going to cover them both here in, uh, in Japanese. Uh, Minaki Tamiyama voiced uh, Nabiki Tendo in Ranma One Half, which is seemingly the lock key of all voice acting in anime. If I watch Ranma, I will know every <laughs> voice actor that's ever lived. Uh, she is uh, Conan Edogawa in Detective Conan. She is Moomin in the show Moomin. And she is oh, Dylan wow. Dow in Vision of Escaflone, which is a really interesting role because Dylan Dow is a really cool villain. Um, so watch Escaflone if you want some of that. Um, in English, Kiki is voiced by Kirsten Dunst. Uh, she would have done Interview with a Vampire, Jumanji, Anastasia at this point. Uh, Small Soldiers will, uh, will be coming out uh, the same year as this first dub. And Virgin Suicides will be the year after. So that's kind of where she is in her career. She's 16. Um Ursula in English is voiced by Janine Garofalo, uh, who I mostly think yeah. of as from SNL. She was on the Ben Stiller show. She's in just about every comedy movie of the late nineties and early aughts. Um, still working today, really. Oh, I don't, I, I think of SNL first. So if you've got a Janine Garofalo yeah. pull, shout it out. <laughs> no, Janine Garofalo is a person who I think of as like, there was a time in my life when I was like 13 where I would just leave Comedy Central on as background noise, oh, yeah, and I just know her from that. Yep. Somehow, I could not put her in any one thing. That's fair. <laughs> um, Gigi, the cat, is in Japanese, voiced by uh, Rei Sakuma. Uh, this is the voice of Shampoo in Ranma One Half. Of Batako-san in Soreke Anpoman, which... Uh, Sareki Anpoman is like an anime that's been running since the eighties. It is a, it is a kid's show, like little kid's show. And I bring this up. It's got like 1500 episodes, just infinite amount. I don't know much about it other than it's very popular. It's for very small children and multiple voices in this movie are from Anpoman. So I assume they were casting because Anpoman was popular. I would be my, I have never heard of this and I have never seen this man in my life. Okay. It is weird to know that this has been running for 1500 episodes. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) she is also the voice of Kazumi Amano in Gunbuster, which is a OVA I love a lot. Um, and she is the voice of Nina Purpleton in Stardust Memory, which is a Gundam OVA that I like a lot less, but people should watch. Um, Gigi huh. the cat in English is inexplicably in maybe the worst casting choice in all of history, voiced by Phil Hartman. Uh, it's terrible. It's unlistenable. Uh, Phil Hartman, if you don't know, uh, from The Simpsons, uh, from SNL. I think of his Simpsons roles first, even though I didn't really watch The Simpsons. Um, mm. He died tragically in 1998. This came out posthumously, along with Small Soldiers, which he's also in with Kristen Dunst. Um and uh making your like by making it phil hartman it just changes everything about Gigi's relationship like he's 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 a sarcastic boy cat who is kind of weird around kiki and not just like another kid like they seem almost like sisters in the original yeah um he seems like her weird gross uncle and like he seems like he's 20 years older than her somehow which doesn't make any sense nothing about like Phil Hartman makes any sense in this movie. <laughs> the only reason I could think of casting him is Sabrina was airing at this point. Oh, is is he the cat in Sabrina? No, as well? but Sabrina is a show about right. a teenage girl with a talking cat who is voiced by like an adult man. So yeah, I was like, he's an adult man to the point where I was like. Oh, maybe that is just Phil Hartman, and I never realized that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's the only reason I can think of doing this casting, because it's weird casting. <laughs> Extremely yeah. weird casting. Um, anyway, after that, we have Tombo, who is the boy. Um, in Japanese, he is voiced by uh, Kape Yamaguchi. Uh, he is a bunch of characters. He is Shinichi Kudo in Case Closed, who I think is a major character. He's L in Death Note. He's Ranma in Ranma One Half. He's Inuyasha in Inuyasha. And we're following along with Great Gundam Project. He, we recently talked about him because he's Sai Sai C in G Gundam, which hmm. we talked about two weeks ago at this point. Um, in English, he's voiced by Matthew Lawrence, uh, who, as far as I can tell, just does TV. At this point, he would have been notable for Mrs. Doubtfire and Boy Meets World, I guess. I've never watched Boy Meets World, so. I've never seen Mrs. Doubtfire or Beats Boy Meets World, so. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not missing a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, 
We have Osono, whose lady runs the bakery shop. In Japanese, uh, she is voiced by Keiko Toda. Or Keiko Toda. She's the voice of Anpa Man, the main character of uh, uh, Soreki Anpa Man. Um, so that's why I bring this up. Uh, she's also the Japanese voice of Thomas the Tank Engine. So getting work doing children's stuff. Uh, she's also the voice of Matilda in First Gundam. Oh, Matilda! Um, in English, she is voiced by Tress McNeil. Uh, she is a Simpsons and Futurama stalwart. I mostly think of her as mom for Futurama because I didn't really grow up on the Simpsons, but I love Futurama. Um, okay. Yeah. I was, I almost placed her through the whole movie and hearing that she's mom. I'm like, okay. Yeah. I hear that now. Okay. Uh, she was also Obaba in Nausicaa. The, oh, okay. So, uh, Fukuo, her husband, uh, doesn't really say a whole lot, but they managed to get, uh, very famous voice actor for Japanese. Uh, he is voiced by Koichi Yamadera. Um, he is Cheese and Anpa Man, which I assume is another major character of that show. Uh, he is Spike Spiegel in Kaba Bebop. He is Beerus in Dragon Ball Super. He is Togusa in Ghost of the Shell. He is Ryoji Kaji in Evangelion. Uh, he is also the current voices of Zenigata and Donald Duck. Yeah, and he has half of a line in yes. this movie. <laughs> uh, in 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 English, he is voiced by Brad Garrett, who I know of as the guy I hate from Everybody Loves Raymond. So, <laughs> I've definitely and, seen and the this one giant bomb on... video where they make fun of Brad Garrett. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely seen this face. I could not tell you what he's in. Yep. Um, so. And then uh, the other voice I grabbed is only because of the dub voice, really. Um, but the old lady that Kiki goes and gets the fish bake thing from, uh, who's only listed in the cast as Madame. Uh, in Japanese, she's voiced by Haruka Kato, who doesn't really have a whole lot of credits. She'll be in Hell's Moving Castle. But in English, she is voiced by Debbie Reynolds, uh, who is oh. a classic of stage and screen. Uh, I think of her as Singing in the Rain. She's the voice of Charlotte in the Charlotte's Web movie from the 70s. Uh, she's also mother of Carrie Fisher. Uh, she passed away literally the day after Carrie Fisher, uh, which is very sad all around. Oh. Yeah. I love Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Um, did not realize that was her at all, but yeah. Uh, she's the best character in the movie, so... Oh, for sure. Yeah, I love her. She's great. <laughs> um, so that's really it uh, for cast stuff. Uh, worth pointing out, this movie won the Anamaji Grand Prix for this year. Uh, what was this, 89? Uh, Totoro mm -hmm. won the year before. Um, the runner-up was a show I've never heard of called Legend of Heavenly Sphere Shurato. <laughs> Uh, because sometimes looking at the Anamaji list is ridiculous because it's Stone Cold Classic up against something that I've never even once heard a rumor <laughs> of. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, where do we want to start with this movie? Um, I guess to, hmm, I guess to bring it back to what I was talking about before we, um, did all the cast stuff, because... Revisiting this movie in 2019 is difficult, I would say, thematically. Um, watching watching this movie um, in my first semester at college, um, I kind of took away from this movie for the next four years that I was just going to work very hard all the time. And, like, when I went through phases... Um, Oh, another change the Disney dub makes. Um, in the sub, uh, Kiki talks about just getting sick of uh, all her friends when she's depressed. That's not something that is ever mentioned in the dub. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, so I watched this movie uh, at that moment in my life where I was kind of going through what Kiki's going through. And, like, was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to work really hard like Kiki does. Um, and there were other things that uh, were involved with, like, making that my ethos in life. Uh, and it brought us to that ethos has lived with me for the last four or five years to the point where I overworked myself and had to delay this podcast by a week by going to the ER. <laughs> yeah. Um, this movie, like, really believes in, like, hard work and just pushing through it and 
um, you will just get a magic happy ending and like good things will befall you if you just show up and try. And that is a weird thing to grapple with in a movie in 2019. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. So I've always, I think this movie is maybe my favorite version of like the, what do we call it when we first watched Castle Kaiser? Like Dream of Paris is what they call it in Japanese. Like this oh, very yeah. Japanese Europe, like seaside village, everything is cobblestone and beautiful and like warm and welcoming and nice. Uh, this is, I think, my idealized version of this. I think this movie is incredibly pleasant. I, I want to live in it. I And forever I was like, Kiki's Delivery Service is like the only good vision of capitalism that exists. Uh, rewatching mm-hmm. it in 2019... It's not. <laughs> it's still just all this. <laughs> all no the cap- this is a story about a 13 year old girl who gets so depressed she can't work and she just needs to try harder and pull herself up by her bootstraps and get that job going and then she can girl boss her way into success. Uh, <laughs> and it's a nightmare. And that it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sad that it's a nightmare because it, it, it couldn't have gone any other way. Like it, it delivers the idea that this girl going out doing all this stuff on her own at 13, living in this world and running her own business and trying to balance like living in a new place is like a horrible situation to put this child in. But then it's like, no, actually everyone goes through this. She just has to man up and that fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Like she almost like sleeps on the street her first night in this new town but luckily she just happens to fly past this one person who just happens to like own an attic like own a big house uh and can just put her up in this room they're not using and this idea of her like running out of food on the streets of this town is seen as like a nostalgic thing right like everyone goes through this where they're broke and don't know where they're gonna sleep or eat uh yeah yeah and like oh that's fine remember like you know, you used to be young and, like, broke, but, like, you're fine now. And, like, fuck you. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Uh. And also, like, all of the stuff about, like, ah, oh, you know, you just you just work hard and pull it out, like, still revolved around her lucking into a situation where someone basically let her have room and board for free uh, for months, for a year. Who can say how long the movie spans? A long time, at least. Yeah, yeah, and, like, like, is is Kiki getting paid a wage? Presumably not, because she's, like, working for room and board, and that's a weird situation to be in. Um, God, this, to, to pivot a little bit and rewind a little bit, um, you were talking about, like, this movie, um, as, like, Japanese Europe as we've been calling it and like I had a lot of fun in this movie like trying to pick out like is this supposed to be like Berlin or Switzerland like when is this supposed to be set it's just this like and like by the end of the movie I'm like oh it's this like totally like perfect idyllic utopia that like you can't place in any time or space like it's not Berlin because Berlin would have been recovering from a war it's not like like, the, it feels very specific, but it is, like, just not a th- place that ever existed or could ever exist because it is so perfect. Yeah. Uh, they did pull from the design. They went to uh, Stockholm and Visby in uh, in Sweden, so. Okay, that is, that is where, like, the design sense. of the town comes from. Okay. This is also based sense. on, like, a uh, like a children's book that I have not read, Uh when I looked, I found, mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly, it was hard to get a hold of. I looked like several, like months ago at this point. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely like the thing with this one in particular, because it relies on ideas of like jobs and like a more like realistic take on living in these spaces is all of these towns don't exist like this anymore because it does exist this weird pre idyllic, like the world wars didn't happen, but technology did state. Where you can right, where you can right. have dirigibles, but no European powers who use them as part of like war effort technology, right? Right, like there are TVs, but like, and this is ostensibly taking place in Europe, but there's no like, oh yeah, we don't go to that part of town really because it like got bombed or something. Yeah. Like it's weird. <laughs> 
Uh, which is interesting because two movies from now we're going to get into Porco Rosso, which is very much grapples with the idea of like the world wars happened to the this kind of setting. Right, right. Like, I I ended up thinking a lot about Porco Rosso through this movie just because of like the way like the ways that this movie is just like such a like perfect like utopia where everything is kind of fine forever and like um. Porco Rosso um, just kind of directly addressing how that is fake. Um, yeah, I'm really I'm really excited for Porco Rosso because Porco Rosso is also Theo. Uh, I'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about this, uh, when I talked about Majano Takubin, Takubin is a trademark of a company in Japan called Yamato Transport. Uh which is like it's a word that specifically reply like is about their home delivery um and the company agreed to it and also uses like a black cat on all of their as like their corporate logo so just really like driving home the strange capitalist uh compromise that is this movie that's huh weird i am i'm glad you found that because i that is weird yes um, it's also weird because I I also was thinking about Nausicaa a little bit in this movie and like, um, I guess the way in which Nausicaa is like ecologically minded and like, it's weird to like, think about like the things that I have really liked in past Ghibli movies and how like this movie just is like. Not a betrayal of that, but it was, like, totally lost sight of, like, themes that I really enjoyed in pre- previous Ghibli movies. Like, um, this, like, in- industrial town just, like, it, it, I don't know. I can't even, like, put my words together. Like, I don't know. Kiki thematically just is a big <laughs> letdown for me, despite how much I do actually like this movie. I think uh, the interesting thing about, like the way in which it depicts like survival and work is so many of the other movies are like so magical in their settings or like castle sky is not explicitly magical but like the kid lives a storybook life where he's like the 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 like orphan who lives in the mines and does all the work and like the idea of like where you're going to make enough money to buy food doesn't exist. Like that kid's not looking to all he can afford is a pan and some pancake mix, right? Kiki mm-hmm. lives in a world that is like dictated by the rules that we understand. She might be like a magical witch girl, but that's not going to get her a meal, right? Mm-hmm. She has to like provide labor to get money to get food, which is very different than like the guy, the kid who lives up in the shack on top of the mine and he just gets by because he lives in a magical children's story. Uh, right. <laughs> like Kiki spends a large portion of this movie, like suffering and being sad and scared, uh, in a way that is strange given that the movie embraces her. Like I'm going to go out and strike it out on my own is like a wholly good thing that like by the end, it was good for her. She grew up. That's what everyone should do. Uh, and it's, just it's just outrageous <laughs> like yeah. i understand the the economy of the world in 2019 is very different than japan in 1989 but this is this is like unpleasant to consider as a reality because it's the world we all live in right like it doesn't matter how old you are 13 or 23 or whatever like eventually you have to go out in the world and suffer and be sad and not make enough money and all you can eat is, eat is pancakes for a week yeah um there's also like um at the end of the movie um she can't hear Gigi anymore um and it is this like moment of her um shedding her childhood she's gone through this ordeal throughout the movie and she's mature now and well, she knows how to survive on you go uh, the thing like when she she does she can't hear Gigi as she loses her magic right like she gets sick mm-hmm. she gets depressed she can't do magic anymore and that's played as like a, she doesn't have confidence in herself but at the same time Gigi goes off and like meets a, a cat on the town and just gets cat married and mm-hmm. 
that's and then Gigi just stops being able to speak or she stops being able to understand Gigi. It's played nebulously, uh, for sure. But then once she gets yeah. her once she gets her magic back, like Gigi still doesn't talk. Gigi's still just a cat. Um, which is yeah. which is weird to me because I don't know if that's meant to speak about like because you can read it as like she's an adult now and adults don't understand the things that children do. Or did Gigi just like acclimate faster and pull away from Kiki in a way that like this is what like being a normal person in the city is you grow up and you lose touch with your childhood in that direction. Okay, that's interesting because it is it is very vague. Um, I d- I have a very firm memory of the first time I watched this movie like not actually knowing what any of that was supposed to mean. And this time, I guess I came down on, like, yeah, like, it is supposed to symbolize Kiki growing up and, like, not needing to talk to her cat anymore. She has all these um, other friends and other people who depend on her. Um, And, like, I don't know, I really don't like the... um, I don't really like, like... Becoming mature means you can, like, never enjoy a thing you enjoyed as a child. Yeah. Like, I don't like that thematically. <laughs> I also I also don't like the implication that Gigi, like, basically got cat married and had a cat family and stopped hanging out with humans, right? Like, it, go- it cuts both ways, this, like, idea that these two characters can't be together anymore. Because you have Ursula out hanging out with crows that she can't talk to because she's not magic, but she still does. Like, she has a relationship with nature that... The movie implies Kiki, like, gets rid of because she's an adult now, which is ludicrous. Like, it doesn't, it's not even supported by the own, by the movie. And even if it was, that's like a horrible moral. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Ursula's presence in this movie is, like, also a weird thing that I couldn't quite, like, puzzle out. You know, do you want to, do you want to explain what, because she's not in my summary because she doesn't actually matter, but do you want to talk about what Ursula's deal is? Right, so Ursula lives in the woods. She's in um, two scenes. Once where um, once where Kiki is making a delivery, drops something, uh, and Ursula picks it up. They hang out for a little bit, um, and then again at the end of the film, uh, towards the end of the film, um, Kiki is. At her lowest low, um, Ursula comes to the city to, like, buy some supplies she needs and, like, comes to visit Kiki. And Kiki ends up going and, you know, spending a weekend, spending a week uh, at Ursula's cabin. Um, And Ursula, in the next, like, scene, just kind of explains a bunch of the themes of the movie. um, And, like... How, oh, yeah, I go through times where, like, I can't paint, like, I feel a lot of writer's block, but, um, you know, I just keep painting, or I, like, find my inspiration, like, I go and take a walk, and inspiration comes to me, um, and compares being a witch to being a painter or to being a baker, and, like, you know, sometimes you go through writer's block, but, like, uh, if you just keep trying, um... And also make room for, like, make... I guess she's trying to say, like, you can forgive yourself a little bit of writer's block. Um, uh, Eventually it will come back to you. I don't... I like her a lot. I don't really know what she's doing in the movie at all. (laughs) I guess. Like, she's very plainly, like, telling you everything you're supposed to think about the movie. And I still, like, come away with, like... Okay, but what's the takeaway here? <laughs> yeah, like she's a she's an aspirational figure for Kiki, right? Because she she's got it figured out. She just lives her life. She's independent. She does. She's everything Kiki wants to be. Um, and then she's very much like you just do the work and it all sorts itself out. But she's also like, you know, like she doesn't live in the city. She's like a weird woods lesbian who hangs out with her crows and makes paintings, right? <laughs> Yeah, she's she's basically an art prepper. Like she doesn't have she she's she's forgone everything she says Kiki should aspire to, uh, and so it ends up feeling very disconnected from like the world Kiki lives in, where like, uh where she has to hang out with the the, the baker lady because the baker lady is about to have a kid and she's going to help out in the thing when the like. Ursula's not worried about any of that shit. She comes into town every three days and gets some beer and sells a painting and goes back and hangs out in the woods. Yeah, and, like, so much of, um, 
like the la- the last thing that happens in the movie is she saves Tombo, and then we cut to you know she's saving Tombo. We cut to the old lady she made friends with. We cut to Tombo's friends. I think we cut to Asono. We see like all the connections that um, Kiki has made, and like you know having friends and connections and people who can support Kiki through her um, down periods um, is like the big thing. And that's what she says um, in her letter to her mom of like, oh yeah, I still get sad sometimes, but I have so many friends here. And my friends um, do not have any influence on whether or not I'm depressed on any given day. That's not how any of this works. (laughs) Like maybe it make me feel better, but it doesn't get me up to go to work in the morning, which is Kiki's actual problem is that she's depressed and doesn't want to work because she's a 13 year old child. who shouldn't have to work. Yeah. This movie should end with like, her writing a letter to her mom saying, like, hey, I've decided I'm going to come home next week. Like, I feel really proud of myself for trying uh, this year. Like, I'm proud of myself, but, like, I just need a little more time and I don't feel ashamed of that anymore. Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck is this movie? This is a, this is a yeah. movie from a boom economy that we will never see again. <laughs> is the answer. <laughs> never once. Um... And yeah, just like Ursula, like that is the big thing that she takes away at the end of the movie. But like the conversation she have with Ur- she has with Ursula does not reflect any of that because Ursula is not a is like this aspirational victory for her. But Ursula only has one friend, this random thirteen year old she met one time. Yeah, <sighs> I like this movie. I don't want to sound. Yeah, that, so mad. this is this is the frustrating thing is that like aesthetically and like tone wise in terms of what the movie is trying to do, I think it's very warm and very nice, and I it's a world that I enjoy spending time in. But like who I am is really incompatible with this movie's worldview, uh, and it's frustrating to see that. Yeah, like I it's it's almost it's it's like almost perfectly encapsulated in that like. The main theme of this movie is a waltz, and, like, it is, like, one of my favorite pieces of music that uh, Joe Hisaishi has done for any of these movies. Like, it is just really beautiful and gorgeous, and, like, this movie is so stunning visually. Um, But then I think about it for five minutes, and I just get mad. (laughs) And I still rated it, like, four stars on Letterboxd or what the hell ever, but, like, the only thing I can talk about is, like, Oh, this movie like just poisoned my brain for five years. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. It's strange because like I yeah I still I still like this movie, but watching it the two times I did for this, uh, each time I was like, you know, I have more and more problems with this. The dub does not help because I watched the dub second. I'm like, I just don't really enjoy this experience this time. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> Except for the old lady. So Kiki goes, to this old lady's like, come pick up a thing. She comes, the old lady's, the thing's not ready because her oven won't start. She's like, let's use the stone oven. So they do that. And Kiki helps stoke the stove oven and they cook the thing. And it sounds like a very conflicting, I don't know if it'd be good or terrible, like fish and fruit peach like pie dish it's, it sounds weird uh anyway she goes she takes her the, the old lady's grandma uh her granddaughter because it's her birthday and she knocks on the door and it's been raining and she's getting sick and she's delivering this food and this granddaughter opens the door and she's the snottiest awful child <gasps> in the entire universe because she looks at she's like i didn't even want this i didn't i told grandma i didn't i didn't like her stupid fish pies uh and then basically just like turns kiki out of the cold when kiki's trying to be nice and it sucks. I I have never wanted to see a child harmed more than this one girl. She just needs to be Willy wonka into, like, some taffy that is thrown in the garbage or something. Uh, because it's what she deserves. She's nasty. <laughs> this, this... So... I don't want to get into it too much. I work a customer service job. Um, the contrast between um, the the grandma and the granddaughter... Like, also just really highlights, um, like, me and my coworkers sometimes will just, like, get on the headset and just say, like, customers are the enemy to each other. Just, like, make ourselves feel better a little bit. Yeah. Because, like, some, like, it's just totally random. Like, some customers, like, you just 
go in and you have like a pleasant like five minute conversation with them while they're waiting on their order and some customers like come in and you're just like please shut the hell up and get get away from me and like it's it really highlights like how stupid like having to make transactions is because like people can just treat you horribly and you have no power in the situation and it sucks and makes you angry or sometimes people can be great and just like pay you like five bucks more than you needed <sighs> the grandma being great like somehow makes me angrier because it reminds me of like how i really love like most of my customers and enjoy seeing them every day but like the three sour apples that i'll see in a 30 minute span just like ruin the whole thing for me yeah it's also like to me and i I've, I've never worked a customer service job i'm very lucky that i work jobs where i don't have to talk to anyone it, it's its own kind of hell but it's a different kind of hell um and so to me like the thing that this like really makes me really sad about is that kiki's a character that has a lot of like optimism and like care in her life she's like she wants to do the best by anyone and this sequence with the granddaughter and the grandmother and all the people she delivers for like her level of care is irrelevant to the job she's doing. It doesn't matter that she's like a character who expresses empathy and concern for the world because all she needs to do is get the goddamn package there in time and then get to the next place to pick up the next package. Like the dehumanization of her, her, like her existence through her labor is just there on the page. Like it's just the text. Mm-hmm. 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 Because you get that you get that really glamorous lady who comes in to give her the first thing and she's like, Oh, I don't even know what to charge. And she's like, Well, I'll just pay you this. And she's like, Oh, that's so much. But then you get the guy who lugs in the giant box of bullshit and he doesn't want to tell her. He's like, I wrote down the address on the box. I'm not gonna tell you again. And she has to drag this thing out that's heavier than she is, right? Like, and that's mm-hmm. the same it's the same job. It doesn't matter. Like if people are nicer, not nice, it, it just is the same amount of work and it just grinds her down immediately but the movie doesn't understand that that's what happened (laughs) well and like i'm thinking about the scene where um she changes i'm gonna try and stay a consistent distance from the microphone i'm thinking about the scene where she changes um the older woman's light bulb and like there's it's very easy to imagine a different version of that scene where the old woman is also a jerk and, like, Kiki still, like, comes in and offers to change her light bulb because, like, when you are in a customer service position, you often, like, find yourself thinking, like, well, maybe if I go above and beyond, at least this person will, like, mellow out. And, yes. like, no, people can still just treat you horribly and just say, you know, I wrote the address on the box, asshole. Yes. But, and the, oh. the weird thing here is that, like, the movie writes Kiki as a character who would never be that self-aware um to think that way but the situation she's put in like leads you to believe oh if you help the nice ladies then they're going to treat you uh, like exceptionally well and become your best friends and all the bad customers don't matter right <laughs> like right. it implies a sort of like like do-gooding meritocracy to capitalism that's just just bullshit right and like i have seen many people get hired at my job and like Lots of people who, like, come in, like, very, like, unaware and will, like, you know, really go above and beyond for, like, bad customers. And, like, they all become aware of, like, like how fickle customers can be. Like, I just don't believe that Kiki would be so naive after working for, you know, more than three months, you know? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Anything else? Kiki's Liver Service. It's a it's a good movie, despite everything we just said. <laughs> it's, it's good, actually. I don't oh. know what you want. Um. If you want to send emails, you can send them to podcast at abnormalmapping.com. We have five emails here today. Um, our first one is from Six. Uh, Six doesn't have a whole bunch to say. Just wanted to say that the climax of the movie is unnecessary conflict in a movie about the stress of every day. Also, Kiki is great. Yeah, the part where there's like a runaway dirigible that is the last ten minutes is 
totally unnecessary. Yeah, um, I really don't know much about, like, how Ghibli operates. It really almost feels like they they sent the script to whoever was financing the movie, and that person said, like, but there's no action scene, you know? Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not that exciting. Like, Ghibli has done and will do, like, better action scenes than this. Yep. Uh, Adam wrote in asking about our take on Gigi's ability to speak, which we covered. Is there anything else you want to cover mm -hmm. with that? I, it's weird. I think it's like the most incongruous part of the movie in that I don't know what it wants to say because it's super muddled. Yeah. And I guess the only thing I would add is that like, I think we mentioned this, uh, in 1998, um, Disney had the dub where, Gigi could talk again at the end, yes. and I've been turning over the, that over in my mind. I don't know if I like that better. I guess if I were making the movie, it would be the choice I would make, but I don't know, like, I don't know that, like, making that small of a change, like, late in the game, like, actually it would affect things much. Yeah. Uh, we have a question from Arbor, uh, who said this is one of their favorite Kiki or Ghibli, Ghibli movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> we like, I like it too, is the thing. It's just been a rough yeah. uh, couple months and feeling uh, raw about the world. <laughs> yes. Uh, I This movie is rough for me because I relate so powerfully to Kiki. <laughs> yes. I wish the world worked like this, uh, mm -hmm. which I guess is like the allure of like fiction, right? Like as an escapist fantasy, I would love to be able to just do a trade and like thrive and be great at ever and everything will work out. Okay. I, I did, but also uh, I'm not like an escapist kind of person. I'm a grubby realist, and alas, this is it. <laughs> yeah, if I could be a barista for like 25 hours a week, like it would be perfect and great, and I would never do anything. Imagine else. if you just had your own cafe on these cobblestone streets of fake Japanese God. Europe. <laughs> like if I just owned the cafe, and like instead of like an 80 customer half hour, I would have like a six customer hour. You yeah. Know? And they That'd all be, be your favorite people because everyone's nice and everyone who isn't, you can tell the fuck off because you own yeah. the place. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine owning the means of production. Oh, it'd be great. Uh, Arbor <laughs> asks, uh, if you were a witch setting off from home, what vocation would you choose to work in? Um, I really, uh, could not stop watching, um, Kiki's mom make the potions. Like, that's that stuff was fascinating to me just aesthetically uh if we're talking magical vocations potions is definitely the one uh it's the thing i think is most interesting uh like we're not here to talk about harry potter you can listen to shrieking shack or whatever <laughs> if you want that but potions always seem like the most interesting version of that kind of magic to me um because you can do whatever you want and, and it's just chemistry but cool uh and so it'd be potions if, if i needed to go and like have a vocation that is not magical because Kiki's a delivery person. That's not like magically of a, like she just has a broom. That's all that is different about Kiki. Um, what would you do? Would you just be a barista, a magical barista? That's like potions. Oh, hell yeah. I would love that. Like, yeah, I would love to. Hmm. How do you do a magic barista? I mean, like, I guess you like, um, can just steam the milk by just like waving a wand at it instead of like <laughs> um yeah yeah i would probably be either paint or like do like carpentry what if you could just wave your wand and make the wood be cut and you'd never have to worry about cutting off your own fingers <laughs> god that would be great yeah, that'd be great uh we have a question from nora uh writing in um <laughs> Uh, Nora's question here, maybe a little personal. Have you ever had your enjoyment of a film completely sealed off from you because of having someone in your life, uh, like several exes as a purely random example who loved it? Uh, <laughs> I don't mean having someone's hyper fandom sour you on a thing, though that's happened to me as well. Yeah, no, I knew what you meant here. <laughs> Do you have one mm -hmm. of these? Um, Undertale, maybe? My my big ex was a big Gundam Wing fan, which I'm gonna have to grapple with in six months. Oh no! So. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's so long ago. I I don't think it's gonna bother me. I don't actually really have one of these. I don't think. Um, and then um, oh, go ahead. There was there was definitely a like period of three years where I did not want to think about Harry Potter or look at Harry Potter. 
um, because of a big X. Um, and then I reread Harry Potter um, in the spring of 2016, which is like the last moment where you could have possibly conceivably have liked Harry Potter, and I'm really <laughs> glad that I read it then. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, and then Nora follows up, if you were a witch, what sort of discipline would you want to focus on? What kind of cat would you like? Or if not a cat, what kind of familiar would you want to have? Um, I mean, Nora and I have discussed we are going to get a black cat and name it Dave Strider, so that would be my familiar. Okay. Um, I am very allergic to cats, unfortunately. Um, so I'd probably go with like a like a raven. Ravens are cool. They're really Ooh. smart. They're probably smarter than cats. Oh, definitely, for sure. <laughs> um, and discipline is potions. I think potions are cool. That's all. Yeah, potions for sure. Um, I think that the fortune telling witch in this movie is really rad. I wish I wish there was another scene with her. Um, I wish we could have seen her like actually living a less glamorous lifestyle than um, she says she is because she's definitely like she's definitely struggling as much as Kiki is and just trying to mask it. Like that's how I read that scene. Mm -hmm. And I wish we could have like seen the mask come off in some later scene. Yes. Uh, and then we have a bunch of questions from Tron. Uh, what do you think about the soundtrack for this movie, including the opening and closing songs? I, uh, I really like the song that plays on the radio in the opening. Yes. Yes. I really, really like that song. The end credit song is also good, but didn't leave as strong of an impression. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, um, the main like waltz that is like the big motif throughout this movie is like one of my favorite pieces of music that's been in one of these movies so far. Um, what is your favorite looking scene or thing in this movie? Uh, Tron really liked the dog and the movement of the train. Um, I was a big fan. Uh, early on, there is a, um, there's a scene where they're looking at the woman who left her pacifier in a Sonos bakery and you see like city from slightly above, um, as the sun's going down. That was just a really striking visual to me. Uh, the one I really like is when that guy brings in that box full of bullshit for her to deliver and she takes it. She can barely clear the building. So she's like kicking off of rooftops. Um, mm -hmm. and it's like really like physical and awkward in a way that I think is really interesting. The thing it makes me think of, um, is a, it's a game called, uh, Gravity Rush. That's what it's called in English, right? I'm not messing that yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that game is kind of like Kiki, where you're a witch who wakes up in this town and decides you're going to do odd jobs for people. The thing with that is that she can just use gravity to like throw things or fly. So it's a very like, it's a superhero story, not a warm, in quotes, capitalism movie. Um, but it does remind me a lot of this in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, that is also a game where um, she just starts living in a sewer and decides that that's great. Yes. Uh, so a lot of Kiki vibes. Though I will game. say, Gravity Rush is very clear that the capitalism fucking sucks and everyone's suffering yeah. under it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. I I also just thought of as far as visuals go, um, when she takes that broom from Luigi Mario and like <laughs> I really like <laughs> I really like how that broom is just less good at flying. Yes. Uh, uh, all the visuals around that are very good. Uh, do you like bread? If yes, what's your favorite type of bread? Um, I do like bread. Um, my dad is very good at baking bread. So just like the bread my dad bakes, like is obviously just going to be my choice there. Um, I'm terrible at baking bread. So yeah, my dad puts like a little bit of salt on the crust. It's very good. Okay. I, um... I have never baked bread. You know, I did it once and thought I was like, this is way too much work. Uh, uh -huh. That's what happened. Yes. Um, but uh, for me, I really like, uh, I really like an everything bagel. Um, it's my go-to if I'm at a place and want a bagel. And uh, I really like Jewish rye as like a bread. Everything bagel is definitely like, I go to the schnooks. And buy a six pack of everything bagels just about once a week, just because it's like, okay, this is like, I will make that. I'll put a little turkey and cream cheese on there. Like, ba a, everything bagel is like my go to bread buying thing, even though, like, like my dad baking proper bread that's like got a good firm crust is like my favorite yeah. ever. So, 
Uh, and then last question I'm going to take from Tron. Do you like the ocean? Um, yes, I have been to the ocean a couple times because I have um, some family who I guess used to live in Orange County, California, um, and like could not afford that anymore. I think they live in they moved to Georgia recently uh, because they needed something more affordable. <laughs> um, but yeah, we would uh, I went to like the beach near where they lived a few times. I really like the ocean. Yeah, me too. Uh, definitely more of a look longingly at the ocean person over a go into the ocean person. So I don't even need it to be a warm ocean. I just want it to look pretty. Yeah, yeah. I definitely... Because whenever we would go visit, I, I have, like, nephews who are, like, 10 years younger than me. So I would definitely get into the water with them. But I'm not, I'm not there to go into the water. If it were not for them, I would not get into the water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's it. Uh, again, if you have questions, podcast at unrollmapping.com. Uh, feel free to send them about any of the movies you've covered, because um, we always look forward to them. Are we going to go in two weeks, or are we going to go three weeks from now? We didn't discuss this. I was this. about to ask you the same thing. I'm, um, I'm willing to go in two weeks, if you want to. Um, What's the next movie? Only Yesterday? Let's go in two weeks, just because I know nothing about this movie and so it'll be nice to just like it'll be nice to get back in the habit and it'll be nice to like see something that i don't know anything about yeah so uh we'll be recording this the day before thanksgiving which i'm very excited about because i love doing work on thanksgiving that's who i am yes <laughs> not same. E it's not even a joke i just enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> yes i would love to have a reason not to do thanksgiving things anyway um <laughs> It's more It's more that, like, it lets me envision a world in which I don't have to go to my stupid day job, but could just podcast for a living. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, after after Only Yesterday, we will one, finally and truly get on a new three-week schedule for yeah. these. So, yeah, next so. time, it's Only Yesterday. Uh, that one has a, like, a modern G-Kids dub. Never, Disney never got around to it. Uh, so... Huh. Um, it does have like some vo like voices that like it has Daisy Ridley and Dev Patel. Uh, maybe this is maybe this was Disney, but it just says G, G Kids, so I don't actually know. Yeah, okay. G Kids and Universal released the film in English on 2016 uh, for the first time. So weird, huh? Um, totally random question that just got like unlodged from my brain. Um, did. Disney, like, lose the English distribution rights to Ghibli, because uh, I just, as we're recording this, Disney Plus started yesterday, and I realized, like, yes. oh, okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that a is couple, why. A couple years G ago, they let them, I think they just let them lapse, and then Ghibli sold them to G-Kids, and then there was the very funny thing that happened where they, where Ghibli was asked, like, we don't, we're not, we don't think streaming services are appropriate for our films, and then immediately turned around and cut a deal with, like, Disney Ma or not uh, HBO Max or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I didn't think they would be on Disney Plus, but I like was just like, eh, I'm gonna check because like maybe Disney still has the rights to their yeah. own dubs and those yeah, Disney no. those Disney ones are actually not like they're slowly going out of print and being replaced with G Kids. I think G Kids just adopts like they get those dubs, but they're no longer like Disney movies in that huh. way. Good to know. Yeah. Um, I wish they'd redub some of them, uh, but it'd be weird. I mean, it, it's not necessary, uh, I guess, but yeah, like, I don't, I don't think like Kiki's is undoubtedly the worst, um, dub that I've seen of a Ghibli movie. And I don't even think that you like have to go in and redub, uh, that movie immediately, Yeah, but it would be nice. The thing that is nice about G Kids now having license at Disney is if you check your local theaters, at least two times a year, there's going to be showing some Ghibli movies because they got way more into the, you know, repertory distribution game because Disney doesn't give a shit about that. They want to sell you Star Wars and Marvel movies. But, right. Uh, G Kids, happy to take your money to show you Spirited Away for the 20th time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a theater near me. They did like, six Ghibli movies this summer and I just like never got around to it and they might be doing um, Spirited Away again by the time that we get to that movie in the podcast. 
I'm sure they'll be doing Spirited Away by by then. Yeah. Okay, so I was looking this up. It, so 2011, G-Kids got the theatrical distribution rights for Studio Ghibli's library. Uh, Disney Home Entertainment had the home media distribution rights. Um, but then in 2017, they gave those up also. With the exception of Grave of the Fireflies and The Wind Rises, which I think are... Weird. Uh, Grave of the Fireflies was... Mm, don't remember now, but that's like f- released through a different, that's like a, cause like the Blu-ray is from, uh, like sent, uh, what do I want? Made in Japan, which is a Sentai Filmworks sub brand. So, huh? Um, yeah, interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, you can find me online at, um, you can find me on Twitter at Allison underscore coffee, A-L-I-S-O-N underscore coffee. Uh, in my pins tweet, you can find my other podcasts. Everything was totally derailed by the ER visit last week, but Nora and I, two days ago, like wrote down, okay, here are all the things we want to do podcasts about. We are going to get our ducks in a row. We are going to like... Um, get back into some sort of schedule. Uh, we have a episode about the first... We have an episode of the podcast about the first episode of the new season of Ruby recorded, which I'm going to try and release tonight, I guess. Uh, I will um, actually be able to listen to this, because I've watched an episode. So Nice. You. And we need to record the second episode, but yeah, derailed because of sickness. We'll get to it when we get to it. Uh, nothing ever stops the abnormal mapping train. You can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. You can find all the podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. Uh, obviously, the one you should listen to is The Great Gundam Project. But if you want some anime that's not Gundam and not Ghibli, uh, you can listen to Your Uncle's Beach House, which you can find if you go to abnormalmapping.com. It's our Patreon-led anime show where people at certain tiers can request shows and we watch them uh we recently put out a show about the american cartoon exosquad from 93 i think and this weekend uh prior weekend when this comes out we will have just recorded an episode about the eccentric family season one which is a very good anime i need to finish uh this week (laughs) i'm gonna watch an episode (laughs) as soon as we're done here so um that beach house is has an episode coming out every two weeks for the rest of the year so please look forward to a bunch of that if you want anime that's not ghibli or gundam we love to see it uh yeah i'd I'd love to walk away from uh, being busy in one way just to have three other things fall into my five other things (laughs) fall into my lap Uh, um capitalism comes for us all is what i'm saying that's the sign off We found it. We finally found a (laughs) sign-off.
Me too. We did it. The button's hit. Oh my god. Oh, I got <laughs> got worried for a second. I was like, I'm not recording. And then I realized I just hadn't spoken yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a podcast. It's a podcast. Um, I guess I'll take a deep breath and intro the show. Yeah. Um, it's episode... Uh, five six i don't fucking know six <laughs> i'm gonna scroll down to the bottom of this wikipedia page and count real quick um one two three four it's six five, six okay i just went to our <laughs> website 